0: Hey, Brant. What's up? Episode 8, Garage Takes. How you doing, man?
1: Doing really good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good. I'm
0: kind of pumped for this episode. Switching it up a little bit. I'm doing a little bit less of the recapping and reflections on games and a little less of the previewing of games. And we're going to do some mailbag questions brought to you by some of our close friends. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're uh, really jumping in. They are blowing the phone up, and uh, they want to be heard, kind of. So,
0: yeah, we, we reached out to a, a couple of people just to start this small because we haven't done a mailbag before. But we thought it would be kind of a fun way to switch things up. And actually, some people that we know are and friends of ours that are regularly listening to the podcast, we thought we would and we respect their uh, sports opinions. We thought we'd reach out to them and see if there was something that they wanted us to talk about regarding the Lions, Michigan, Michigan State and anything else. So, um we're we're going to hop right into this and we'll wrap up with Brant's best bets like always. So, Brant, first question comes from Nefer, of course it does. And he's talking yeah, about right. the Lions, right? So, he says should the Lions build around Jared Goff? And if not, what should they do? What do you think?
1: Yeah, so my original thought is no, absolutely not. Um I don't think and I keep going back to um his decision-making, uh, his playmaking, um, anything that has to do with creating, it's just not there. And in today's game, I just don't think he fits what you want to build around. Um, he's, a serviceable, he's a serviceable quarterback, but you look at the team right now, they're 0-4. What has he done um, to, to get us a win? I mean, if you look at the fourth and one pass that he had, he just flat out missed the throw. It costs us against the bears uh, is Dan Campbell. Um, should he be, you know, down 10 and late in the fourth, uh, not kicking a field goal there. That's up for debate. Right. But either way he put, or they put that offense with a play call that that could have sustained the drive and Jared Goff just missed that throw. And that's just another example put in the Packers second half where he underperformed again. It's just, example after example of where this guy just keeps coming up short uh tiny hands can't make a play uh I don't know if I need to say it again for the ones in the back
0: eventually this is going to go viral if you talk about Jared Goff's tiny hands one more time this is three episodes in a row I you're just waiting to talk about Goff's tiny hands aren't you
1: yeah but I mean it's just it's it's not a guy that I don't I don't think that you want to build around um your thoughts
0: Okay, so yeah, no, I can't stand Jared Goff. I the Jared Goff experiment should be short-lived. I have seen plenty enough to okay. Obviously, they haven't surrounded him with any talent. We can agree. I don't think anybody can disagree with the fact the Lions probably had the worst wide receivers in the National Football League. Got a good tight end in Hawkinson, but he's been locked up these last couple of weeks. So now you're really starting to see like the uh oh what are we going to do and and so I okay knowing that the wide receivers are terrible okay check know that so then I think okay if they surround him with a big free agent signing which you're not going to get right now um, from an actual meaningful wide receiver or you spend a high draft pick on a, a good wide receiver which they're not in a position to do right now because their defense is god awful and. There's just so much work that needs to be done with this roster, that that can't even be part of the conversation to me. Like you're not going to be getting any good receivers, and quite honestly, you look historically at the at the Rams, they've had good defensive defenses. They've had Cooper Cup, they've had Robert Woods. You know, they've had Todd Gurley when he was healthy. Like Golf has been surrounded by by weapons and. Sure. I know you'll hear the argument of they made the playoffs, they've made a Super Bowl, but it might be like he's serviceable on a really good team. On the Lions, now I'm good. I, I'm good on what I've seen on Jared Goff. He's missed a lot. He's made some throws. I mean, he's an average quarterback. He will be maybe a starter in this league for a few more years to come, maybe. Um, but in terms of you know, should they build around Goff? I think the answer is definitely a no for me. But the second part of Neef's question is: so if not, which we both said mm, probably not, what should they do?
1: Yeah, I think it starts with this coming draft. I think you can draft a quarterback. It doesn't have to be the first round. Doesn't have to be the second round. But it's got to be. I think in the top five rounds, um, and you go out and you get a guy that you think is athletic enough um, that it fits uh, today's NFL and uh, you start building that defense back up. You start from the trenches and you move outward or, or if you want to start out and move in, whatever you want to do, but you got a draft, man, I remember, I think it was the Panthers that maybe selected like 15 defensive players in the draft a year or two ago. And it's like, that's not a bad model to go after. um I think you got to start with that. You start with the defensive side of the ball and you start just accumulating talent. Um, select everybody from Alabama. If you want, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like these guys are just, just getting going on, um, getting defensive players in there. And so you really gotta, you gotta get that side of the ball where you want it to be. And then I think you can take a, uh, take a quarterback a little later on in the draft if you want to. But if you look at a guy like, uh, Bailey Zappi that played against Michigan State this weekend I mean he had like 400 some yards putting them in tight windows the fact that like Cooper Rush has a job in the NFL but like this kid might not like that's crazy to me right so you can find talent out there for quarterbacks uh, and you don't have to pay Jared Goff a Brinks truckload of money to do it
0: Okay, so take one more shot at a former CMU quarterback, and I'm done with the podcast. That's the first thing. Shout out Cooper Rush. Fire up. Chips. I'm so
1: sorry, okay. Cooper Rush.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, the second part, though. So if not, yeah, what what should they do? I think that there's so much work that needs to be done on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, I, I like your strategy of just draft a bunch of Alabama guys. That seems to to work out well. I but just focusing on the quarterback position. I don't, there's not a quarterback right now in this upcoming draft class that I'm like, yeah, you don't have a Trevor Lawrence right now. Um, a generate, you don't have even a name like Tua uh, or even a more proven quarterback like Justin Herbert. Although I'd say I wasn't as high on him as he obviously has ended up to be. I just don't see that guy. Um, I Um So I don't know if it's to the draft this year, especially not in the first round. I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't think you need to overspend on that pick. You're likely going to end up in it with a top three draft pick if things keep shaking out the way they are. And I don't see a quarterback worth taking in the top three. So um, if you're not taking in the top three, you're going to have a Rams pick towards the end of the first round. Maybe there's a guy that slides there. Maybe you pick up a mid rounder, but um, I don't know if you're going to find the future at quarterback this draft. And so my unpopular take is you better go after and make at least make that phone call, Sheila, Brad Holmes. You better be making that phone call to the Houston Texans and you better be inquiring about Deshaun Watson and say what you will about him i'm not going to get into his specifics or his situation but the bottom line is is that when you're a team like the lions and you have not won in decades you need to make a bold move see kareem hunt right we know what kareem did it was like oh my god we didn't know if this guy was ever going to play in the league again well guess what he was off for for some time signed with the browns really cheap deal kareem hunt is still very very good um People have to a certain extent forgot about Kareem Hunt and what he did and his legal troubles and the issues he had. He's a really good football player. And I'm not saying that character doesn't matter. Don't hear me on that. But what I'm saying is when you haven't won in decades, you better make the the phone call about a top five quarterback in this league and Deshaun Watson and what he could bring to the team. And you've got the assets to do so. You know, we we talked in a previous episode about do you trade a guy like, like a Frank Ragnow? Uh, right, or even uh Taylor Decker. And I know we want to build kind of from the inside out there and build a strong O line, but you're not winning anytime soon. And so you may have to make a bold move, like trade a good offensive lineman in a couple first round picks and a second to get a guy like Deshaun Watson. And maybe as time goes on, that asking price is even a little bit less as his future becomes cloudy and kind of unclear. So I don't know what the future is at quarterback, Neef, on that question, but it would I absolutely be picking up the, the phone and calling over to the Houston Texans and that broken organization. Absolutely. Cause you look at what the Texans are willing to do to get rid of some, some guys like C. Hopkins. Uh, yeah. I think it's probably worth calling over to them and seeing what you could get for Deshaun. So um, that, that's my take on that. So then Brant, next question comes from Clayton, a good buddy of yours. Where's in his questions about the lions as well. Where's all the Stafford haters now? And who are we going to blame this on now? 0-4, Stafford's out of town. Where, where are all the Stafford haters?
1: Yeah, they just jumped on the Matt Campbell bandwagon, and they were like, yeah, whatever. Stafford, no no longer to blame. Let's just give it to uh, MCDC, right? Um, no, I, I think I think that as you watch Stafford out, Playing with the Rams, you're just like, yeah, that's maybe not this guy's fault as much as it, it was the team that was around him, and it's re- it really goes back to he was in the couple of playoff games. So people say, well, yeah, but he didn't win us a playoff game. Yeah, but you were there probably because of him, um, and I think that's becoming more clear and obvious um, of just about how big of a dumpster fire this organization actually is. Um, so. I think a lot of Lions fans are going to blame Jared Goff. They're going to blame Matt Campbell. And they're going to blame the Fords, as they have for years. And Stafford just got out of the way, you know, and fortunate for him uh, and and good for him, really. Uh, so you can see just how good of a quarterback he is, even though they kind of got whipped this weekend against the Cardinals. But, yeah. you know, you're going to have games like that. And that's a good Arizona team. Um, but he's not he's not on a team losing on 66-yard field goals you know, and I'm sure he's happy about that. So, uh, really, uh, to answer Clayton's question, they're just going to jump on the Fords. They're going to jump on Matt Campbell and they're going to jump on Jared Goff and this terrible defense. Everybody can get a little bit of the blame instead of just saying, that's ah, it's Stafford's fault.
0: Right. Dan Campbell, right? Yes. Yeah. We, so yeah, I, the Stafford haters, first of all, I I'm looking for them because I, everything I hear around here, I like that question, Clayton, because everywhere I look around here is like an infatuation with Stafford, if anything. Um, And we're all now, everyone's now become a Rams fan and we don't need to talk about that again this week. But I, I think that the, there were certain question marks about Stafford that were fair. Um, And, and I think that they're still fair to this day, just because he's being successful with the Rams in a really strong, offensive minded coach like Sean McVay. Like, I think he was set up for success. Like he walked into a really good situation. And Matt Stafford is a very talented quarterback. We've known that about him since he played at Georgia. And he proved that over his tenure at the Lions. Reality is that he didn't win and not to a fault of Matt Stafford because nobody has won here. Right. And even with players like Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, I'm not going to throw Matt Stafford in that same category, but just the point is, is that nobody has won here. So I don't blame that on Stafford. I'm happy to see him doing well, but I think that who do you place the blame on? Yeah. You have to start to look from the inside, the common denominator over the last 60 years is the Ford family and just misstep after misstep after misstep. And they mishandle things. They mishandle their greatest players of all times. They're just not good. So yeah, I, I think that the blame has to go on the ownership of just a culture that needs to shift there, and and that is beyond one player. It's not fair to put that on Stafford. It's not fair to put that on Jared Goff. And it's not fair to put that on Dan Campbell. So um, I, I I look at from the top down, there needs to be a complete overhaul, and and that starts right at the top with um, with the Ford family. So that that's where I'm at with that one. Uh, I want I want to shift now because we got a lot of questions here about Michigan football, and some Michigan State as well. And I I text with uh, our buddy, Curdy quite often during Michigan football games, through the good, the bad, and a lot of ugly. And so when we text every week, I'm always like, man, you're giving me some just great things to talk about on the podcast. So it kind of brought up this idea of like, let's do a mailbag, because there's a lot of things for us to, to talk about. So Here's a bunch of questions from, from Curdy and we don't have to spend a ton of time on these because we just hit the lions um, a little bit hard, but Kurt's first question is how do you feel about Michigan's corners at this point in the season? And not speaking about Dax Hill or Brad Hawkins, he said Dax is obviously a beast and he loves the way that they're utilizing him, but how do you feel about the rest of our corners?
1: Yeah. So I think DJ Turner has really played an important role on this team. Uh, he's a guy that has kind of just been tossed out there and been like, hey, play here, put pressure on, and, and, and also play in a zone. And that's not really easy for guys that were recruited um, not to do that. And, and I think he's really turned the corner into being an every-down type of player. And um, I know you said outside of Dax or whatever, but he has slowly became the leader of that secondary. And he's the type of guy that leads by example. He's not really out there hooting and hollering and celebrating and doing a bunch of that. His play has really spoke for that. And I think the other corners and the safeties have kind of followed his lead on just doing their jobs. And and it's uh, infectious, right? Um, So he starts it, Hawk starts it, I agree. um, And and they kind of follow their lead, but Vincent Gray, these guys, they have stepped up this year. and it's really made a big difference, I think.
0: Well, I, I think so, too. I, I also think a lot of the – and Dax is obviously a leader of a, of that secondary. And the way they're utilizing has been awesome. I mean, just looking at the disguised blitzes that they're able to run this year, it's just, it's very confusing for the opposing offenses. And they're really getting a lot of pressure in at the quarterback and – obviously, you know, Graham Hurts got hit, uh, Graham Mertz got hit really hard this past week. And that's just, once again, sending Dax in like a missile, um, and on these disguised blitzes, which has been fun to watch, but a lot of, and, and I agree just in, imp- you're seeing improvements from Vincent gray, a young guy like DJ Turner is exciting to, to see, uh, Jamon green as well. Um, I, I do think though, that I don't think they've been elite. Uh, I, I think that They look elite right now, to be quite honest with you, because they, first of all, they haven't played against a quarterback that could really uh, put them on notice, in in my opinion. And the other thing is, let's not forget that D-line that is playing outstanding right now. When you can have uh, Aiden Hutchinson sitting off on the line there on the edge and flying around that outside where he's getting one or two guys having to swing with him. He's opening up holes there for these guys to blitz, to do those, disguise blitzes and really get pressure on the quarterback. And so, as you know, this isn't rocket science when the quarterback is under pressure and they feel like their life is threatened. um, That's going to do wonders for your secondary. So I think right now, um, yeah, I'm happy with what I've seen. There's been nothing for me to necessarily pick apart about one of these guys in particular, but I don't think we've been tested yet. Um, And I, and I think that time is coming here very, very soon. So the next question, Curdy threw at us was what about the red zone play callings or room for improvements with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The word I would use right now is inconsistent. Um, And the other word I would use is they don't look, or I guess words I would use is they don't look confident in the red zone. Um, If, if the run gets stuffed, the, the, the the field is obviously shrunk and, and we don't seem to be, clicking on the same page as an offense when that happens um and I really look at the Wisconsin game as an example there was a tipped ball in the red zone that I think everybody's breath just went oh my god what's about to happen here because we just got a big turnover ball gets tipped up in the air you lose all that momentum if it's picked um and we just don't look like we know what we're doing in the red zone from time to time and um I'll tell you what, in the second half there in the red zone, when Jim fourth and one running out McCarthy there, he put it all on the table. He pushed all his chips into the middle of the table and was like, here we go. We're going to do it. And uh, that was ballsy for lack of a better term. And um, I think he can really, he can really do some things with JJ in the red zone that maybe Cade can't do as far as running goes, as far as the threat being there, um, that Cade doesn't provide, but the red zone play calling needs to get better and they need to be more confident in it. They need to work on it. Honestly. I mean, if that's something that they're going to work on in practice, I'd be, I'd love to see it.
0: Yeah. I I, I'm with you. I I do think that uh, that red zone, like I'll just think about the, uh, the muff punt there and, and, and not finishing. It does. It does concern me. I mean, I have heard some takes on that of like, well, against a team like Wisconsin be happy getting three points. I I understand that, but at the same time, like, no, yeah, exactly. You're when you are down there, you need to score a touchdown and the good not the good teams will score there. The great teams, the really elite teams are going to score touchdowns. So yeah, it is, it is cause for concern for me. I think that even if I look at Cade McNamara and just really where he's been the most, lethal I would say this year and I'm not saying he's a lethal quarterback I don't think that's fair to say about his game but he's actually played better throwing the deep ball than he is on those like just mid 10 to 15 yard routes where his timing seems to be off at times. so I I think that there there there's work that needs to be done there and I am hoping that they can get their timing down and, and piece that together. Cause the schedule is not, not getting any easier. So definite room for improvement.
1: We run some play action in the red zone, please. My God, how many times do we have to watch this where it's just ground and pound and ground and pound and ground and pound. And you don't even try the play action.
0: Right. Jeez. Right. And, and you have a good run game, although they've been right. stuffed these last couple of weeks, but you have a good enough run game to at least keep the defense honest, where even if you are only getting two and a half, three yards of carry, well, that's better than, than other teams have done against Wisconsin this year. You still can keep them honest run a play-action play. Action play. I, I, I'm with you there. So next question from Curdy was, so after a big conference win, obviously on the road in Madison, not an easy place to win, and being undefeated now 5-0, and are we finally happy about this Michigan football team and the program moving forward?
1: Easy answer. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a Michigan fan, I'm happy. I Since 2001, get a win in Madison. I don't care how good or bad Wisconsin is. Um, that was a great win. And you're just not a fan if you're not enjoying this. Um, enjoy it, man. Your team's 5-0. and uh, Same with Sparty. Shut up and enjoy it. Um you know, big matchups this weekend, but yeah, I'm, I'm very happy.
0: Yeah. I, I I think we, as coming off a a two win weird COVID season, that was just (laughs) cringeworthy to watch. I'm very happy with this Michigan football team. It's got, to me, this was a twofold question about this Michigan football team. I'm excited just because the energy feels like different. And I think a lot of that was the hiring of the assistant coaches and just some special players that they have right now, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and really Cade McNamara too. You hear once again from everybody on that team that Cade commands the locker room Um, and and in subtle ways, not a super outspoken guy. Um, But we haven't had a true leader like that on the defensive side of the ball. Aiden Hutchinson is just a beast. He looks like a top 10 player in the in the country right now and looks like a surefire, at least a top 15 draft pick. He looks every bit of the part, and he's firing guys up. Dax Hill, another guy that just looks outstanding right now, and it looks like these kids are having fun. We all saw what happened when they played jump around, you know, the tradition in Madison, and, you know, they had that place just looking down at the Michigan sideline and the, in the Michigan sideline and the players are going absolutely nuts, just celebrating. Like they finally had some swagger beneath them. So yeah, Uh, I think that
1: real quick, I just want to touch on the, uh, what I like about this in particular team is the game plan each week to week seems to change. And it seems to have a point uh, where in the past, it seems like, Hey, this is what we're going to do and we're not going to deviate from it. But everybody knew coming in this game that we had to throw the ball and we did throw the ball and we mixed up with some flea flicker and stuff like that. I mean, I think we were texting about Dave, when was the last time we saw a flea flicker from Michigan under Harbaugh. Right. 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 So it it seems to have a point and it seems like we are actually preparing to play against different teams each week.
0: I, I agree. And so am I excited about the program moving forward? I'm going to wait on answering that question. I'm excited right now, but if history has shown me shown me anything, the wheels can fall off at any time. And, Brant, as you know about me, I'm a very pessimistic fan, and I just assume that everything will fall and collapse at some point. So I I, I still – just some, I, I know Jim looks different. He looks excited again. I just, I have to listen to him every week on the radio down here and I just cringe him to listen to him. So I, I, I can't say I'm excited about the program moving forward. I certainly am excited about the, uh, the position coaches and some of these young players and seeing like guys like JJ McCarthy in there as well. So, all right. Next question from Curdy is who's going to be our breakout wide receiver obviously a big loss to Ronnie Bell first game of the year. And we've seen flashes from Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, but neither have come out as a clear front runner yet. So who's going to be the breakout wide receiver on this team?
1: It's got to be Roman Wilson for me. Uh, Cornelius Johnson will do some things where you're like, man, he's just a, he's kind of a big dude. Playmaker will go up and grab, grab it over somebody. Roman Wilson looks like the little Ronnie Bell that used to be yeah. out there. You know right. what I mean? He, he puts me in that mindset where it's like, this is uh, the new old reliable. And right. he has that feel to him where it's like, Kate is on the same page as him. Um, and much like how McCarthy seems to be on the same page as Dalen Baldwin, as both of his touchdowns has went to him. It seems like Wilson and Matt McNamara have this connection where he could be a very reliable third down type of guy, things like that, where Cornelius Johnson seems like, yeah, he could be a, a two catch for 120 yards type guy. Um, Roman Wilson seems like he's going to be the eight catch for 100 yards type guy. So he, he, he if you watch Roman Wilson closely, though, he has very clean route running that you don't. And so does Ronnie in- Bell. And so does Ronnie Bell, right? Um, which at their sizes, it can be uh, a huge advantage, right? Because they're quick. Uh, they get in and out of their breaks fast. And Roman Wilson showed you that he's not scared to go up and get one. Uh, yeah. he, he basically mossed that dude um, uh, from Wisconsin. So um, I'm excited to see what he's going to be in the future. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, though, a very steady type receiver. Um, you know what you're going to get with him as far as a burner goes. Um, but I, I'm happy to see Roman Wilson uh, get his.
0: Yeah, I think you, you stole my answer there. I think Cornelius Johnson is going to he is really good and is gonna be a really good receiver. Um, I, I think that Roman Wilson is in terms of like the quote unquote breakout wide receiver. I could see him breaking out. And, and I think his he's got a lot more to show still. And I think we're seeing glimpses of that. So for that reason alone, he would be my pick as the breakout wide receiver. But there are still other guys in there that I think, if they're used the right way, could be really good. Like A.J. Henning could be really good still. Sanders still, like, we know he's fast. Like, I do think, though, in terms of just filling the shoes, if you can, for what's gone from Ronnie Bell, it's probably Roman Wilson looking like that 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 breakout guy. So last quick. Go ahead.
1: Eric Gall, though because I think he's got a real, real big role in this offense moving forward. And you kind of saw it in the Wisconsin game. That guy can be a playmaker. I think.
0: Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And you, and you need it at that, at that tight end position too. Um, So last question from Curdy, are you, are you happy with how they're using Blake Corum or should we want to see more from him in the passing game or just in general screen, swing passes, jet sweeps, get him lined up in the slot. And there's gotta be some big mismatches there. He's our star on offense, and you got to feed the beast. So Kurt wants to know what's our our thoughts on that and how they're utilizing Blake Corum.
1: Yeah, I think we're trying to do that, but I I just don't see us forcing that down people's throats. Um, And I'm okay with that, actually. Uh, So so as far as that goes, I I get that he can be our star, but I don't want to see him touching the ball 30 times a game. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, I don't need to see him – Touching the ball 30 times a game. I, I do think though, to Kurt's point, getting him in and some unique sort of looks here where he's not the, the back back there and he is in the slot. The dude's fast. He's a, one of those you toss out on a on a little screen or whatever. He, he's going to make plays. He's a playmaker. So I, I think that right now I'm I'm comfortable with what I've seen, but like, I, I do think that there's some untapped potential there. And I always, I I don't know what the answer is about like where he will shine the most. He's obviously a really good player, but I just, you know, it sticks in my head of like, I obviously he's getting way more touches than Zach Charbonnet, but I just think about these talented guys. It's like, okay, you put Blake Corum in another program with a sweet offensive minded coach, like are they utilizing Blake Corum different and getting the most out of him? Maybe. So, so yeah, we, we, we've got to wait and see, I think. All right. Next questions come from Matt and he's got a bunch of, a bunch of questions for us here and ties in some Michigan state as, as well. So he said, we're the first three games of Michigan season, a fluke with the running game, which by the way, I think is a, it's a fair question to ask just because, you know, they have been stuffed uh, more with Rutgers and then obviously Wisconsin. So was it a fluke?
1: Yeah, I think it was a little bit. I think now that we get it, I don't want to, I guess fluke isn't a great word to use, uh, but I think it's a little bit of fool's gold. Um, and I say that because I think some of the, some of the teams are stacking the boxes now and they get it. Um, so I think it's a little bit of who you were playing uh and and where you were playing them in in, on your home field and I think it was a little bit fluky
0: yeah I I think that as you're gonna continue to play tougher opponents the run game you're not going to be running it for 350 yards a game so let's just name that I don't know if it's a fluke like I actually think that I think that there is still untapped potential in that running back room where they haven't really unleashed Donovan Edwards yet. I think that Wisconsin has a really tough run defense. And so I'm not shocked by the fact that they ran for whatever it was like 120 yards against them. That was like three times more than any other team has this year. And they played against Penn state and obviously Notre Dame as well. So no I I wouldn't call it a fluke yet but I think that there were definitely some inflated numbers in those first few games which wouldn't shock any Michigan fan
1: yeah I don't think it was as much as a fluke as it was the game plan and we're gonna do this until you stop it and nobody stopped it so it was kind of like hey we're (laughs) we're just gonna do this you know it's the game plan and we're running for 300 yards a game so yeah until you stop it do it
0: right right so second question is really good one and I'll I'll answer it first it says this is from your buddy Matt. Does Brant understand the dynamics of a read option? Matt, I'll hop in here. If, I've grew up with Brant from the time we were like 3, 4 years old and anytime he had an option to read it was a no. And so <laughs> if that was a literacy joke, you you nailed it. If it was a fo- if it was a true football question, I'll kick that over to you, Brand. You understand the dynamics of a read
1: option? <laughs> Well, the reason that he asked this is because I'm texting with him as the game's going on. And, uh, I, I watched a film of Rutgers Michigan the week before and I'm watching They were actually running the read option that game. And it was like Cade missed one where he should have kept it. And then he, he gave it when, or I I'm, I should say, he gave it when he should have kept it and he kept it when he should have gave it. And so when I it, it, okay, so the first drive they have a fourth and one or fourth and two, right? And we run Hassan Haskins up the gut, and he jumps and he gets the first down. So later on that possession, Dave, you remember this, right? They yep. get another fourth down. Yep. And what what happened on that fourth down? I don't got, recall. Okay, well they got stuffed, right? Yep. They get they get stuffed, but um, it was this. He he gave it to Hassan. And he ran out the back door like he just oh, stole yeah. something. Yep. And so I'm like, Man. And
0: then got murdered.
1: Yeah, right. And so I say, why didn't he just keep it? And Matt's like, it's not designed for him to keep it at all. In any scenario, can Cade keep the ball. And I said, yes, he ran like he had a loaf of bread stealing it from the store. And so he's like, dude you, I do not have to explain this to you, do I? And so he sent me the zone read option in a Google format. Um, So thank you for that. But anyway, long story short, after I went back and looked at it, you know what we called on a fourth and one in Wisconsin on our first drive on a fourth down was a draw play. That's what they labeled it as was a draw. And so it didn't work. Haskins got jammed up at the line and we had to give him the ball, but Yeah. Um, long story short, it was kind of embarrassing for me to be like, yeah, I got to eat crow. So I'm sorry, Matt, I am learning this, (laughs) the read option and I'll do better. I promise.
0: Reading is hard. (laughs) Reading is hard. Okay. So next question is which program, and he's referring to Michigan or Michigan state has the brighter future over the next five years.
1: Uh, right now it's Michigan and it's JJ McCarthy. I've said this before on the pod. And I know I get killed for this every time by everyone that texts me. Um, see, Nefer. Yeah, see, Niefer. Um, But I – I, and I don't know if – is Mel Tucker going to be there in the next five years? I don't know. I know Harbaugh will die at Michigan if we let him. Um, so – and he continues to recruit at a high level, and that's something that's underestimated about Harbaugh is he's still a good recruiter. We still have top 10 classes. We still have top 15 classes. Um It's just putting the product on the field. And when you make those changes at the assistant coach level, we're starting to see the results of that, right? So I believe that over the next five years, if you have J.J. McCarthy as your quarterback, I like it better than Peyton Thorne. And I'm not going to apologize for it.
0: Well, I, I think that this tends to be like the Michigan State fan argument, just in terms of like the just recruiting alone, they seem to get more out of the of the three star kids that they get and maybe a couple four star kids and and they win games that maybe they shouldn't always um, and they get more out of them so that's like coaching in of itself that was d'antonio that looks to maybe be mel tucker although this kind of different dynamics this year with all the transfers not necessarily his guys but he's made them his guys and seems to be getting the the definitely getting the most out of them I've seen so much of Harbaugh that I'm so just down on on him that I'm always just I don't know what to think about this program. I think a couple thoughts. That's a really good question. It's making me think a little bit because I think that if you were able to guarantee me that over the next five years that the bulk of these assistant coaches would be here, I think that I'm and I'm not even talking about players. I'm not talking about JJ McCarthy. I'm talking about the coaches alone. I think that you've got to be excited about the the future of Michigan's program if you can keep a Ron Bellamy, if you can keep a Mike Hart, if you can keep a Mike McDonald. Like these guys are really good coaches that have shifted the culture there in, in one year. But a lot of these guys are going to be aspiring head coaches. And I think that what will be interesting in the next like if this success is sustained at Michigan this season, they get a nine win season and like win a, a good bowl game and they have a good season next year as well. These guys are going to be getting calls to move to other programs. And so then who do you go to next? Right. Jim had made some really smart moves with his back against the wall to keep his own job um, to like have a complete overhaul of who was coaching these kids and it's worked. So um, I think if, if the, main parts of this coaching staff can stay intact for at least the next three years I would say I'm more excited about Michigan's program just from the recruiting standpoint alone I don't know how sustainable the transfer portal is going to be like it was for, for Mel Tucker this year but it doesn't mean that he's not going to get the most out of the guys that he is recruiting so um, kind of a, a loaded answer there And then speaking of recruiting, it's kind of a perfect tie-in. So Matt's next question is, so will State continue getting transfers or will they get better at recruiting high school talent? What do you think, Brent?
1: Yeah, I think this one's pretty obvious. They're just going to keep using the portal. And uh, I would if I was Mel Tucker. Um, This seems to be working for him. And don't forget, and people forget this easily, Jaden Reed, that was a Mark D'Antonio transfer. That wasn't a Mel Tucker transfer. So they were already using this before to their advantage, and um, I think it's it's easy for us to say, well, Michigan just kind of beats state in recruiting high school talent anyway. So why are they trying? You know what I mean? But I think Mel Tucker, once he has some of these recruit, the, some of these transfers um, showing out, I think that that actually hurts him in recruiting a little bit itself. Why are you gonna go there? And, and sign up for that if you if your job might just get taken by a recruit – or, I'm sorry, a transfer. So it's kind of a double-edged sword for Mel Tucker, but I don't think – I think he's used it to his advantage beautifully, and uh, he should continue to do so.
0: I think he'll continue to get these transfers because he's showing just how successful he can be by doing – and working the transfer portal, and obviously has some really good eyes out on some, you know, under underground talent, if you will, across the country – um, and so he's obviously good at scoping out that talent. It's not just getting these guys to come. It's knowing who the right guys are to go to. So whatever his system is right now, I think is impressive, and it will probably be su- sustainable. I also think that winning, no matter how you flip it, winning is going to bring better talent. And so um, I, I hear what you're saying about the, you know, will that detract some of these kids from from coming there? Maybe. Um, but but I think that you're going to – if right now they're five and oh they have not won anything um and I'm not making this a Michigan Michigan State thing State hasn't won anything yet under Mel Tucker um at least when when D'Antonio was there you know they got to see him take these kids to the college football playoff they were regularly in it and competing for a Big Ten championship or making noise in the east and so this is really year one of seeing like Mel Tucker do that and see a full season through and I think we've got to wait and see because I think that if he can do this for a couple years in a row and bring Michigan State to an eight and four team, get you a win against Michigan or um, an upset against Ohio State or beating teams like Penn State, like I do think that uh, that he's going to draw in some high school talent. But I think for these next couple of years, he's going to have to live and die by this transfer portal. Last question uh, from Matt before we get in before we get into my my final question, and then we're going to quickly do Brandt's best bets because we're running long today. So quick answer, Brant, Jim Harbaugh or Mel Tucker to lead your program for the next decade?
1: Urban Meyer. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is.
1: We had to work him in today's show though. Yes. Um, No, uh, I'll take, uh, I would honestly take Mel Tucker Um, right now at this moment. uh, He is doing everything that a college coach should do. Um, He hasn't had the missteps that Harbaugh has had. but it's it's a pretty close call right now. You?
0: Yeah, Mel Tucker. J- just okay. because I've seen more of Jim Harbaugh, and yeah. Mel Tucker's kind of like the new girl in town. Everybody's kind of intrigued by it. Like, oh, who's this? So, yeah, r- right now, as it stands today, October 6, 2021, it's Mel Tucker. That could very well change. And, you know, by the, by the end of the season, potentially. Brand, my last question before we get into the betting segment. So, I'm just going to ask you one more time. Because my thoughts are just – they're kind of the same as they were last week, but they're shifting just a hair. So I'm going to ask you one more time. Is it time for J.J. McCarthy to take over the reins?
1: Not yet. Yeah, I, I had a long pause because I, I think that you can work him in in scenarios where Jim has, but it's not time for J.J. yet. Um, put that Ferrari back in the garage. It's not time for him yet, but you can – Run a series with him. You can spot play him, but it's not time for him yet.
0: All right, so I I don't – let's talk about just what's coming up next. Nebraska on Saturday night, away game. No, this is not the time to make J.J. McCarthy your starting quarterback. But if Cade comes out there and is missing throws and it we're, we're down or we're in a really tight game, let's just say we go down a few points early and the offense is just not moving the ball. I want to see J.J. McCarthy come in and get some meaningful snaps. Every time the kid plays, he looks like a natural playmaker. He's making good throws, and I'm really starting to question. I'm not – I like Cade McNamara. I'm not down on Cade at all. He he definitely has shown that he, he, he will miss some throws. He's not a great pocket passer. He's a pocket passer, and he's good, but he's not great. And so I am starting to question if you made that swap like – in nebraska or or even you know after after the bye week is there going to be that much of a drop off in terms of talent uh i don't really think so i i think that the bigger question mark for me is you know what it does to the locker room hearing that kade mcnamara has truly been a leader of that team and i believe that you can lead from anywhere even if you are the second string quarterback but let's be honest they ain't listening to the second string quarterback like they're listening to qb1 and so I think that uh, that's more interesting to me because from a talent standpoint alone, I don't see there being a major drop-off right now between Cade and between JJ. I think that um, if Harbaugh really wants to save his job and you've got this shiny five-star quarterback who has looked very good coming in, I get your 5-0, and you just want to take it week by week, win game by game, but uh, at some point, I think you, the, you know, you've got to unleash this kid and, and put him out there. And I guess my question is if it's, if it's not now, or if it's not in the, you know, after, after the bye week against Northwestern, because that, to me, if you're going to make that switch, that would be the perfect time to to make that. It better not be away in East Lansing. Like that can't be his first start. Um, and, and then by that point, the season is starting to close out in a way you're heading into November. And so I don't know, do you, Do you make that switch then to JJ? That doesn't really make sense to me. So I think time is ticking. And, and I am just curious to see what I like the coaching staff did what I asked them to do in the last podcast, which was get him in, let him make some plays and get some meaningful snaps. And he did that and he did it very, very freaking well.
1: Would it surprise you if Harbaugh started uh, McCarthy at Nebraska? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes, it would. Okay. Brant. Best bets, wrap, wrap this up, take it home. I'm not going to elaborate on a ton of these because we're coming up to our 40-minute uh, mark.
1: Okay, uh, we got MSU at Rutgers. Rutgers getting five, noon noon kickoff. Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers money line or Rutgers getting the five? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> no, R-
0: Rutgers with the five points, but this is a game that I'm for sure watching as an upset alert.
1: Okay, I'll take MSU to cover the five. Um, Georgia at Auburn. Auburn
0: getting fifteen at home. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, I just—I'll be honest—the one game I really watched thoroughly of Auburn was against Penn State, and I, like they—they they held their own there. They looked like a pretty good team. I, I think that fifteen points is a lot when it's a home game for you. I think that Auburn keeps us close in the first half, and I think Georgia definitely wins. But give me give me Auburn with the fifteen.
1: I'll take Auburn with the fifteen-two. Uh, Penn State Iowa. Iowa giving away two and a half. So field goal game, really. What do you got? I would take Iowa to cover. Nice. Yep. Um, to I'll cover. take Penn. I'll take Penn State.
0: Um, Penn State on the. I'm just curious. Penn State. On yeah, the I'll, money I would line? take
1: Penn. Yeah, I'll take Penn State on the money line. I have totally turned to one eighty on that team. I don't know about
0: with. Clifford. I, I. I don't know. <laughs> He wasn't great against Wisconsin. I, I think that uh, – I know it was week one, but we'll, yeah. we'll see against a, a good defense in Iowa. Uh,
1: Michigan at Nebraska. Night game. Terrible, terrible spot for Michigan. Honestly, Dave, I said this I've – been, I've been thinking this all week, and I said it to somebody today. Um, Michigan doesn't have to win this game. This is not a must-win for Michigan. Kind of a throwaway game, if you will, if there's anything like that in the Big Ten schedule. Michigan doesn't have to have this one, so uh, three and a half.
0: Oh, yeah, I, that line is super close because I think if Michigan wins, I feel like it's going to be by a field goal. And so I, I think that I will take Nebraska with the three and a half.
1: I will take Nebraska with the three and a half as well. Um, and I would almost think Nebraska on the money line. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for Michigan. And like I said, they, they might lack motivation in this game. Um, Titan, Okay, we're going to switch over to the NFL. Uh, Titans at Jags. Is there a better storyline right now than the Titans losing to the Jets and the weak Urban Meyer has had as the Jacksonville head coach? Um, Jags getting four.
0: Give me the Titans.
1: <laughs> yeah, give me the mad as hell Titans. Rabel right. lights a fire under someone this week. Urban they loses cover. his
0: job after this. Let's go.
1: <laughs> they cover a four-point spread. Uh Lions at Vikings, um, seven and a half for the Vikings to cover. Vegas looks like they know what they're doing with seven and a hook.
0: Lions. Li- Lions not on the wins. money line, but, yeah, Lions with those points
1: me too i think this is at like a field goal game type yep. thing probably another heartbreaker for the lions um bills at chiefs uh this is the not the this isn't a prime time game but i thought this might be the game of the week
0: this for sure should be the the game <laughs> of the week um i actually i feel like the bills are going to when like if I just picking from what I've seen so far, it seems like I would pick the Bills to win this game. However, are by
1: three. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you that. Chiefs are favored by three.
0: Right, 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 right. I I understand, but can't Kansas City is one and two right now. I really cannot see them. Wait, no, they're they're not one and two. There are um, two and two. Two the and Chiefs? two. Thank you. Yeah, the yeah. Chiefs. They're two and two right now. I I just can't see it. just for the sheer fact that I can't see them going two and three. I'm going to take chiefs to cover those points and and win that game against the bills. But I I don't, I don't love that game to bet on, to be quite honest with you.
1: I will take the bills to win this game. Um, and you're going to give me three points. Great. Um, lock of the week, man, this. Okay. So I'm 500 on the lock of the week. So I got to get better, but I also give you games where you can make money. I don't give you the minus three fifty type BS. I'm not about that. So, um, Boise state is getting five and a half at BYU this weekend, guys, look it up. BYU is starting their third string quarterback. That's not going to be a pretty game. So, um, and Boise state's pretty good. Uh, Always are pretty good. So uh, take the five and a half and run with it. I think they might win that game as well. They're like plus 200 on the money line. So.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I like that first mailbag episode. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. uh, Kurt Neif. Clayton, Matt, thanks for the questions. Next time around, we'll put it out on social media and get some more input from everybody else. Brant, have a great night, man. Thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you, man.